The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Shiny. Welcome to Generations Geek, a family-friendly celebration of geekdom by father-daughter S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. I'm science fiction writer Scott Pearson, and I'm joined, as always, by my daughter. Hello. And we are two generations of geek. This is episode 21, S.H.I.E.L.D. Takes Over the World, and we'll be talking about the development of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. over the first season of the show, as well as its connection to the larger Marvel Universe in the feature films. But remember, you can check in with us on Twitter and Facebook, and drop by GenerationsGeek.com for handy links to our shows on the Chronic Rift Network. Plus, you can email us at thegeeks at GenerationsGeek.com with questions, comments, recommendations, and cake recipes. Now, on with the show. If we could tag this podcast as spoilerific, we would. So I'm here to remind you that it's going to be full of spoilers, like many of our other shows. Yes, we're going to ruin everything for you if you haven't seen the entire first season. But if you have, we're going to party. (laughs) (laughs) Neither of us are experts in the comics. This is about the movies and the TV series. So we were first introduced to the concept of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the films. Agent Coulson first turned up in Iron Man, and then in Iron Man 2, then in Thor and the Avengers, and he was one of the great things that linked together the, big, the building of the Marvel Universe on screen. Everybody loves Coulson. With such little screen time, he became instantly such a likable guy. That actor also actually um, voiced Coulson in a cartoon. I saw a video from the cartoon where Spider-Man tore off the suit he always wears, and then mm-hmm. underneath it he was wearing like a Captain America jumper, <laughs> like, a, like a onesie. <laughs> uh, which is perfect. And there was this, this one well, moment where uh, Peter Parker was like, what, what are you doing? Well, and they played off that in the films, too, that he was nuts about Captain America. Now, the big question that was on everyone's mind as soon as they announced the show was, what about Coulson? Because, of course, he died at the end of the Avengers. As far as I know, the fandom was pretty adamant that he hadn't died. Like, we decided. Like, I don't know, like, <laughs> everyone about loved, anybody else, but, like, we decided that he hadn't died. <laughs> everyone loved Coulson so much. No one wanted to believe that he was dead. I we didn't swore see him buried. up and down, <laughs> too, like... <laughs> And so it was a plot point established at the event, at the end of the Avengers that Nick Fury manipulated the Avengers into coming together by emphasizing how Coulson had felt about them by taking out the uh, little uh, Captain America co- bubblegum cards or whatever he yeah, had. Yeah, his trading cards that were, and like covering them in his blood. And they were bloody. And throwing them on the table. And... It was exposed in the film that that had been a manipulation on the part of Fury. And so I assumed that they would have Coulson come back by it turning out that he never actually had died, that that, uh, that Fury had staged, well, not staged, but that after he was horribly wounded by Loki, that Maybe. Fury had let the people think he was dead. But of course, things got a little bit more complicated Really, there are two parts of the season. Well, there are, there are literally two parts. I mean, they had a half-season finale. Mid-season yeah, finale. But, but, but really, but yeah. <laughs> there are the last seven episodes, 
primarily the last six episodes. The ones leading up to and, and everything after else. Captain America 2. Yeah, and then everything else. So let's talk pre-Captain America Winter Soldier. How did you feel about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., that first part of the season? You know how sometimes you love something so much that even if something happens and it's not that good, you still need it, you still need more of it? Like you're mm-hmm. you're looking for a specific type of fan fiction and there's not that much and what's there is bad, but it's still the kind you're looking for, so it's good enough? Mm-hmm. That's like what uh, Agents of Shield was. It was it was there. It was set in the Marvel universe, and that was good enough for me to have a weekly episode set where yeah, the Avengers were. That, that's kind in of New York. that's kind of how I felt about it. I, I felt the characters were kind of weak, other than Coulson. Yeah, they were they were flat. They didn't have t- enough layers. And yeah, some of the actors the weren't necessarily up to bringing something more to to thinly plotted episodes. Granted, it had a couple of unique stumbling blocks for trying to to fill its role in the Marvel Universe. They literally cannot use the word mutants. <laughs> yeah. Because the X-Men, although they're from the Marvel comics, the movie rights are owned by Fox, also the Fantastic Four, although that's been underutilized. <laughs> I read, like... Just a few pages of some comic online, and uh, Tony said something about like dropping these kids off at Xavier's school if they were mutants. And I just like took a moment. I was like, "Oh my god!" And it's real. Uh, well, on Spider-Man too. Spider-Man, Spider-Man is uh, what uh, Sony. I think Sony yeah. has the Spider-Man. I still rights. think that uh, Peter was out of New York for like a day and a half, and then he comes back after the Avengers, and he's like, "I was gone for a day, <laughs> and this happens." But since Fox owns the mutants, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. can't use mutants. And, of course, they don't really get the superheroes because they're all tied up in the movie franchise. And you're not going to necessarily be able to afford to pay Robert Downey Jr. to pop in for a week or two on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was really meant to be sort of this spy espionage show. But to most of the viewing audience, you're kind of expecting we're going to have big superhero fights every week. It's going to be like... That's not what I was expecting. It's going to be like these movies. I was overstating it, definitely. (laughs) But you had to make this transition from huge blockbuster movies into a little TV show. Definitely awkward. But Coulson was there. And Fury was in the first episode. I found myself looking forward to seeing every episode, even though I was often underwhelmed. Setting Coulson aside, there there are a few standout characters. The combined unit, Fitzsimmons. <laughs> Fitz and Simmons, I think, were easily the most likable and interesting characters. Yeah, it got to a point started. where um, my love had kind of dindled, and I. But they kept me watching the show. They, they were, were the ver- only reason that I kept watching. Yeah. They were very funny and, and likable. And what's his name? I was name? too invested. Ian DeCastiger. Ian Meal DePotsticker. Ian DeCastiger. Wiffle Ball. <laughs> Potsticker. <laughs> He's fabulous. He's amazing. And he really does he bring... He's crazy. He brings layers. It's kind of a simple little story that the he's... The Scots know what they're doing. <laughs> so he's nuts about Simmons, but he can't quite bring himself to say it. It's a cliche... They're best friends. But he really, he really brings it. 
in his performance, and she's quite good as well. I can't even talk about it. <laughs> I'm gonna start freaking out. <laughs> and of course, Ming Na Wen. I takes would care of die some business. on a battlefield for Ming Na Wen. She takes care of some business, and so that leaves as the weak. I mean, and it's the like, weak what links. is she like fifty and doing all these stunts? Like she does more stunts than the like twenty-year-old yeah. cast members. I just yeah. And then you've got Sky and 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 Ward. And I, they I think kind of, at the they end were of the, the weak season, links. They like they weirdly explained why his character was so flat. Though. Yeah, well, but, but yeah, let's hold on to yeah. that. <laughs> but they were kind of the weak links, and they were supposed to, in some ways, they were the ones you're supposed to connect to because it's like here's the young, you know, yes, yeah, Sky was the handsome main character. man and the beautiful young woman, and and she's sort of the well, she was the Dorothy character. Yeah. She was the one that's brought yeah. in from the outside and is supposed to be your connection into this this thing. Uh, but she wasn't given much to do, and and you know it was kind of awkwardly written that she was this super cool hacker, and yeah, I don't know. But yeah, while I appreciated the super cool hacker being this hippie young woman, it, yeah, yeah, that it wasn't some chubby guy eating potato chips and <laughs> drinking Mountain Dew. I'm gonna jump back to the movies for a second. Okay. So the individual. Marvel Universe films that you were watching, each one stood quite well on its own and yet linked together into this broader universe, building very carefully to the the Avengers, and then boom, you get the big Avengers movie. And it's also like crazy but, exciting to like seeing Coulson in every movie, and then when you're yeah. all of the superheroes are meeting each other, like nothing like this has ever been done before, and it's glorious. But then you transition from the films to watching the TV series. I was hoping for that same sort of feel, but... Yeah, the same excitement. The same excitement and the same interconnections. But there was an episode here and an episode there, and yeah, they were kind of developing certain arcs with the the, the woman in the flowered dress and this and that, and but it still didn't hold together or build to something, or it didn't seem like it was building to something like the films. It was yeah. disjointed. And they would drop occasional references to the other... to the other characters in the franchise. I mean, now the season was obviously supposed to be building to CA2, but, but... Yeah, but they didn't. They weren't successful at it. Then, yeah, retroactively, one learned that they were setting up everything, building toward the explosive changes that were going to come in Captain America Winter Soldier. Looking at the first part of the season with uh, hindsight... <laughs> you can see a little bit more how they were building toward it, but it was still, it wasn't very I just, tight. The timeline of the first half of the season is just like a blob, and then there are like two episodes I remember, and then like a few like scattered lines from other episodes that were yeah. good. There well, were like, I remember the mid-season finale, just because it was the mid-season finale, That's it, I wasn't that invested in the mid-season finale. Yeah. The one episode that was amazing, though... Was the episode with the uh, the Chitauri helmets from uh, when Loki attacked New York, mm -hmm. and people were getting kind of like sick, and then Gemma got sick, and she jumped out of the bus, and then Ian was or Ian Fitz was freaking out. And oh my gosh! And then they wandered around a little bit more. Then by the fifteenth episode, they did another crossover because that's when Lady Sif showed up. Yes, wearing gigantic wedges for no reason. <laughs> and and so they had 15 
episodes. Well, and also Lorelai, who I think and I Lo- think she yeah. was in the comics, but she's also from the mythology, so I, I knew her. So they had 15 episodes that sort of ramped up to the events of The Winter Soldier. And then it was in episode 16 that at the end, Simmons says something about and, and Fitz is trying to talk to her, and he loses the connection, and she's that saying, what's terrifying. going on? There are, there, are, there are agents coming or whatever. Yeah, she was like, Fitz, something is happening. There are agents everywhere. Yeah, like... and it was clear that that was tying in to when stuff really hit the fan in The Winter Soldier. Well, and we always, and... We always go to the premieres, so we saw The Winter Soldier the night it came out, so we were up to date with the movies. Yeah. And in retrospect... I wish the season had been more evenly divided. Yeah. The writers of the show knew from the beginning <laughs> of the cataclysmic events that were, you know, the screenplay for Winter Soldier was already written. So mm-hmm. here's where we get into the huge spoilers. So we already knew, they already knew that S.H.I.E.L.D. as an agency was going to fall in the Winter Soldier. So they knew that partway through the season of a show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., <laughs> S.H.I.E.L.D. would be destroyed in some fashion. And of course, we all expect, obviously, it's going to rise from the ashes, but they had that coming. Knowing that they were building toward that, it seems like some of the episodes, those first 15 episodes, like they were just killing time. Yeah, like actually. Like they all didn't... I can see, I keep wanting to use the phrase beating around the bush. Yeah. And all I can see is like the team like in the woods, like literally just hitting bushes and <laughs> sticks. It's like, where's our plot line? Yeah, because <laughs> they couldn't spoil Winter Soldier. I just want to take, I want to take the episode um, with the Chitauri helmets mm-hmm. and put it as the mid-season finale. Replace the mid-season finale with that episode. Forget about all the other episodes and then just have that be the first season. One of the arcs that was building through the whole season was what actually happened to Coulson. Did he die? How did he come back? At the beginning of the season, he thinks he just died and was quickly resuscitated. That it, He it thinks that his heart stopped. Yeah, that his heart stopped, he was resuscitated, and it wasn't that big of a deal. It was fine. Com- you know. He spent some time in Tahiti. It was a magical place. It was... <laughs> And it's slowly... It's now, like, terrifying to say. Yeah, it's slowly exposed during the season that he was, you know, being experimented upon he with also, this he huge just, alien device. Once and... he starts figuring out, he just breaks your heart. It's, like, encoded into his brain to say it's a magical place or something. Yeah. And somebody says something about Tahiti to him, and he starts saying it's a magical place, and then this realization takes over his face yeah. and his eyes, like, widen, and he, he's kind of like, it's a magical place. Yeah, he really... And you can just see him, like... Yeah, he knows You that can see his world, Not like, all his thoughts are his down. own. Breaking down, yeah. Know? yeah. They were forced, because of this thing with Winter Soldier, to kind of, you know... <laughs> la, 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 Whack la, la, around la. in the woods. And beating, yeah. <laughs> but then, oh my gosh, they I think they lost a lot of... I, I know that I've spoken to some people that stopped watching it, I was laughing After a few episodes. so hard. Like, at all my friends who, like, watched, like, a half an episode and, and were like, and no. And gave up. I was like, you guys, now this show is the best thing on television. Then, now you guys have no idea what's yeah, happening. Yeah, because then Winter Soldier happened. And then finally here we get the kind of interaction between the, the TV universe and the movie universe that I was hoping for all along. Just the way they knit it together is so amazing yeah. to me. In a movie, you couldn't really show all the repercussions that came about from Hydra coming out, 
the big battle, the dissolution of Shield. You know, all that stuff goes th- goes by fast in the big explodey movie. Yeah. But then when they have a concurrent TV series, then they're able to get down into the nitty gritty. Because they spent they spent several episodes showing what was happening in yeah, other between, places. Yeah, between Shield agents between and Hydra agents. Shield agents trying to figure out who's Hydra, who's not, all the kind of stuff that really keeps you on the edge of your seat. Because Captain America was all in DC and uh, in the Triskelion. Yep. And that's like all. Then here comes the other big spoiler Agent Ward, who's been a part of the Shield team from the beginning of the season, is revealed to be Hydra. And this is what you referred to earlier that the flatness of his character. You can, yeah, it's like because he was playing this, like the classic, like macho, like football, a guy, yeah. and there was a lot of stuff he couldn't say. He was living this, uh, this double life, and he was, you know, honestly torn by some of the stuff that was going on. They screwed up the ships, the ships were clearly laid out. Uh, you got Mason at the beginning, you've got Mason, Skyward, and Fitzsimmons, right. And they just screwed it all up. I didn't like that some of that stuff to begin with. They were almost implying like everyone was going to become a couple. Yeah. And it was just kind of awkward. I mean, forced, obviously it I couldn't thought. all happen, but the ships no. were there. Yeah. I, I wasn't completely mm, on the Skyward ship. And I, no. and I wasn't... I, I don't think it was... I think part of that was the writing and the acting is that it wasn't... Yeah, if they it, had been it, more it like... Yeah. It was forced. Whereas Fitzsimmons... Completely believable. Yeah, from the get-go. it's natural. Well written, well acted. That was I just and even even in some cases, if it's a little thinly written, nevertheless, the performances of those my actors soul to Fitzsimmons. I sold it. Brought it's it gone. together. And it's just like I mean, Ian. You don't need to see anything but Ian's eyes, and like it, you just fall apart. He's a very expressive actor in a way that. Uh, He has gotten more of a handle on his character. He has a lot more than like all of the other actors. He and um, he has much more Coulson. See Ward, Ward and Sky. Well, and Sky Ward is just the obvious like guy with like stubble and a sharp jawline and girl (laughs) with long hair and cheekbones. Yeah, thing. Yeah, and that's why it was it was too. That's why it was too forced sooner. Since we're talking about shipping, Coulson and the cellist. Oh, yeah, I forgot. The heart-wrenching... I totally forgot about her. Because they, they set that up... Because she doesn't know that he's in alive. In the Avengers. They set it up in uh, the Avengers movie. There's a really small that they, line, though. They There's, just, like, one line. They reference that there was... Tony says, like, I believe there was a cellist, or, like, I think yeah. there was a cellist, and that's all. So there's a reference there that Coulson has someone special. And then that's basically gone... But then in that second half of the season, then uh, suddenly the the cellist is on screen and you get to meet her. And yeah, yeah and it's heart-wrenching because she doesn't know that he she, um, is and alive. And Coulson she can't doesn't, know. Yeah, she can't. Coulson doesn't want her to know. Yeah. He doesn't want to screw up her life anymore. And we have to give a shout out to the world's greatest stand-up comic slash uber geek Patton Oswalt, who shows up working in a in one of Fury's secret shield locations. He's just the best. And he's just uh, fabulous. Well, then we also, also have to give a shout-out to the world's greatest car, Lola. <laughs> well, I was going to give a shout-out to uh, Agent Maria Hill. 
love her too. Because did you catch the line when she was she was talking to Pepper Pepper Potts on the phone? Yep. And so that uh, was another great tie-in to the movies to have near the end of the season. In the, I love uh, her. And then, like, the FBI shows up to arrest her, and she's like, three and a half minutes? Really? If you were my agency, you wouldn't be for long. <laughs> <laughs> One of the major arcs that carried throughout the entire season and was the backbone of the mid-season finale was the, was the Deathlock arc. Mm-hmm. They hung so much of the first part of the season on Deathlock. How do you think that really paid off? They really needed to decide where their priorities were, like mm-hmm. because it seemed like the season was building to the Winter Soldier. But then we had Deathlock, which was kind of like an off and on character. He would show up and everybody would be like, oh, like, oh my god, oh, like, what do we do? <laughs> but like, I don't know. Then they had to wrap that up within the season finale along with everything else they were wrapping up. Yeah, like they had and, Deathlock and Winter Soldier and Shield going down and all yeah, of their stuff. And so then they had to get back to Deathlock being not really a bad guy because he'd been co-opted by the, yeah, the real so. bad guys. And so it just kind of faded out. Although he did get to um you know whack uh, what's his name? But Yeah. <laughs> I think in the end, that ties back into what we discussed earlier about how it would have worked better overall if the first part of the series, the pre-Winter Soldier part of the series, was a few episodes shorter. If it was a little bit more condensed, a little bit yeah. more fast-moving, and but, but every, everything kind of got that wandering around feeling. and They were just like kicking random things until they yeah. got I, up to Winter Soldier. And I think you could say similar things about two other season-long arcs. And these arcs are kind of related in a way, and they came together in the finale. And Mm. that is, on the one hand, you have the Ward and May arc. Yeah. And on the other hand, you have the Sky arc. The Ward and May arc. I just loved when May got to beat him up. Yes, and that's where they came together because Sky got that he was facing off with Sky, and then she got to make the great crack about how he had ticked <laughs> off someone else, and then like May's foot comes in as it yeah, connects with his just face, blows him. and then you get the blowout fight and sequence. And then the nail gun, she nailed his foot to the ground. Nail Hydra, as Ming Na Wen <laughs> tweeted after the episode was on. God, that was great, and. And I also, it's also really interesting, like, it was kind of an insight into Ward's character because he was just kind of, like, fighting with her. And he was being pretty ruthless, too, until he couldn't get away because he was nailed to the ground. And he was like, no, May, wait, please, May. And she's like, nope, not anymore, son. One thing that I kind of liked, although I think they could have done more with this, but but I still liked it was the sort of the switcheroo they played on the audience because for a, a few episodes you feel that May was the bad guy cuz she was spying yeah. on Coulson for Fury and so they set it up in a way that you think that she's the traitor. Yeah. When in fact and that first, Ward that was first, the traitor. Um first like um interaction I had with her after that where it's like everybody pulled guns on her. Yeah. And then because like, no one trusts everything. Anyone. She automatically like shoots at Fitz and then he's just like so sad and can't believe it and That's one thing I don't get. I mean What? Well, everything was going crazy because d- that tied into when 
the whole Hydra thing started happening, yeah. right? No one knew what was going on. Yeah. Are, are, were we supposed to think that May thought that Fitz might have been Hydra? Uh, well, she didn't see him. He locked the doors, and so she just saw movement and heard a sound, and so she automatically shot off. And it was just a sleeper gun, right? So she, it's not like she was ready to kill everybody, but I guess she that was makes on. Sense. She was nervous, and yeah. so when she heard herself being locked in the room, then she like okay. automatically fired. Yeah. See, that's. Uh, uh, this that scene came came across a little bit differently to me it than it did to you, I think. and well, that makes sense. The other thing that I thought was a little muddled uh, in the sky arc, she comes in. She's a hacker, yeah, and they bring her in because she's a great hacker. And well, they then brought it's, her, but they also partly brought her in because her like organization was like against that, and so yeah, they, and they were to turn it around a yeah. little bit, and. But then it's slowly revealed that she has ulterior motives because she's trying to find her parents. And then this is sort of slowly developed over the season, but it's just more questions. It gets more mysterious. It gets revealed that her parents were agents and there's something special about her. It, it was a little loose, as if when they were writing that first part of the season, it almost seems like they didn't really have it figured out themselves. What is her backstory? What is the reality? Yeah. But well, you know, first seasons are never the best. Oh, yeah. You can go back and look at Star Trek, the next generation, the first season. Yeah. Has not aged well. First season is psych. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, and It's not as good as the later seasons. Yeah. Because they, they often are still discovering the characters. Yeah. And, and, and no matter how prepared the writers are, once you start seeing the actual interplay between the actors... You notice things like, wow, so-and-so are really mm -hmm. good together. Yeah. And so there's a tendency to, to change things around. They were juggling a lot of stuff in this. For, for how little there seemed to be going on sometimes, mm -hmm. there actually were <laughs> all sorts of arcs, yeah. intertwining arcs they were setting up. Because they had this thing going on from the beginning where sky very clearly gets a little schoolgirl crush on ward yeah but he's mr and then there are a couple there are a couple hints with with fitz be having a crush on sky too oh i didn't even, i didn't even remember that so. i was so focused on fitzsimmons i didn't even yeah. notice until i saw gift sets on tumblr from the shippers like <laughs> i mean there's even a scene where she says something about being jealous of how close he and Gemma are and he's like well i don't like we're not that close, right? I mean, like, I feel closer to you. And she just, like, doesn't realize what's happening at oh, all. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. That's actually it was, like, kind one of, scene, yeah. It's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. Well, that sounds like something that they tried out, and then they probably decided, well, we don't even really want to go there. Mm. And then it just disappeared. So it's really weird, because if you're trying to do a retrospective of this first season... Mm-hmm. If you'd only seen the first 15 episodes, you would say, this is kind of a weak show. I don't know what they're getting at. What is the deal? And if you've only seen the last six ep episodes, you'd be saying, oh my gosh, this is an action-packed, unbelievable, twists and turns, thrill is, ride of a Marvel. TV series. This is Marvel. Here's, look, there's the Nick Fury cameo. Oh, look, here's Maria Hill turning up. Oh, look, you know, there's like boom, boom, boom. All this stuff is happening. It's very interconnected with the MU, the Marvel Universe. How do you grade the season in its entirety? It's so hard. 
it like it, it's almost like it evens itself out. Of course, this next season is going to have to bridge our gap between Shield falling and the second Avengers movie because exactly. the next the next Marvel movie that's coming out is Guardians of the Galaxy, which as far as I know has nothing to do whatsoever with Shield and should be nowhere near Earth. What I'm hoping is that they continue to use the TV series to get into the nitty-gritty kind of stuff that there isn't time for on the big screen one would hope that they would tie it in a little bit there. Because, of course, then they drop the big bombshell at the end of this season. Nick Fury shows up. Most of the people in the show think Fury is dead. Coulson is still upset about all the uh, bizarre, intrusive shenanigans that went along to bring him back to life. Because he's so upset, and he says, this is supposed to be used only in the event that an Avenger falls or something, because that's like, so important that they stay alive. And Fury said, well, like, you know... Exactly, bro. And then Phil's like, oh my god. <laughs> you wanted to talk a little bit about the appearance of Nick Fury. And what happened before. Okay. <laughs> the setup that, uh, yeah. Because I've sold my soul. Ward, who's Hydra, has basically been taught that being fond of people is a weakness because then he won't want to kill them. So he's like, dang, I got to get rid of these adorable nerds. <laughs> so he chucks them out of the bus. They're flying low over the ocean. He ejects this pod from the bus. So Fitz and Simmons are at the bottom of the ocean. But here's the thing. I want to interject here. Okay. Interesting thing about how they've done better with Ward as a character since revealing him to be a bad guy. He's much more complicated now. Yeah. He was given direct orders to kill Fitzsimmons. And he could have. And he could have and he didn't. So he gives them a fighting chance to survive. And you're kind of thinking... He's going to come around. He's going to realize Hydra is horrible. He's going to have some sort of awakening. The possibility was, I think, there when they showed these little moments of humanity that he would have. But then he didn't. Because for all he knows, that pod would have stayed floating and somebody would just come and, like, picked him up. He seems so beholden to the Bill Paxton character. Well, is just so devoted to him. Like, Fitz was so upset, like, he was so mad. He was madder than we've ever seen Fitz when he found out that he was Hydra. And he was, like, yelling at him. He was like, I know you care about us, Ward. Like, I know you do. But then, like, and he does. Like, he does care. The simplistic thing that you hope for as a viewer, you're like, oh, he's going to come around. And then he doesn't. Nope. So they're at the bottom of the ocean, and they think they're going to die. And then they realize they can get out, and then Fitz makes Gemma take the oxygen instead of him. And he finally is kind of like, you're more than a friend to me. He had so many moments. I mean, <sighs> as an actor, he must have, when he got that scene, he must have thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe how fabulous it's going to be. Because there were so many moments there for him where you're, where you're waiting for him to profess to his feelings. I have been waiting for like nine months. Yeah. And, you're, <laughs> and, and then, you know, you're excited about him saving her. You're excited about... He says that, he says that she's more than a friend to him. And she doesn't... Say she like freaks out. She's overwhelmed and like yeah. hugs him and like is like kissing his face, um, but she doesn't say anything. Yes, really, because she's too like she's frazzled. And then Fitz blows the thing before she can be like, "No, I'm gonna die here with you instead of living yeah, without because, you." Yeah, because because he tries to hide from her the fact that his little scheme is probably only gonna get her to the surface and that he's not gonna make it. And it doesn't work because she's a smart lady. So she drags Fitz with her, who's unconscious from the pressure, um, and she swims all the heck way up to the surface, 
and then the camera, like, you can't really see anything. She's, like, in the water, and you can know that she's having a hard time, like, staying afloat with Fitz because of the waves and, and stuff. And they're in the middle of nowhere in the ocean. They and don't have any reason. And then you can't see anything but water. Yeah. And then you see her. She kind of starts reaching up, and then it cuts, and Fury is leaning out of a helicopter to pull her Boom! in. Boom! And it's That just so happened. Perfect. And then you got to get uh, Fury and Coulson back together for all sorts of snarky comments back and forth as they kill things and blow stuff up. Things get all splody. And uh, looked like a homeless man living under a bridge. It was a very satisfying end. And then Coulson uses the gun again. I know what this does. So overall, I'm 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 really looking forward to the second season. Yeah. And I would really strongly recommend to all the people who understandably gave up on the show in those first few episodes <laughs> you might want to check in yeah it's, especially if you've seen winter soldier it's worth it for the go back and watch those last did, half yeah. dozen episodes that give you all sorts of information about what's going on in the marvel universe mm -hmm. that wasn't there in the movie and as we mentioned earlier, I just really hope they leverage that going into the next yeah. season, that they really use this. Well, I hope this. we get some cameos. I was so mad. One of the pre previews for the episodes showed this woman in like, all black flipping head over. Oh, yeah, yeah. Down and it was hallway. May. I, yeah. But it was pretty, like, they were trying to make it look like it, Black Widow. It seemed and like I, they were toying with us on that. They need to get some cameos. To me, it seems like it would be so much fun. For yeah. one of those guys to just pop in on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. set, knock off a couple of one-liners, and then they can go back to their Yeah. I mean, all, all I want is, like, movies. I want, like, uh, two lines where they're, like, in a S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, well, they can't do this anymore, but I wanted, like, two lines where they were, like, in a S.H.I.E.L.D. base, and, like, Captain America walks by. And, you know, they're all just like, huh, Captain America. And he's like, oh, you know, like, hey, guys, or, like, whatever, and keeps walking. He's talking to somebody else. Captain America has become acclimated enough to contemporary society that he can do the little chin-up kind of nod at him. Yeah. Dude. Like like sparkly smile. <laughs> <laughs> you know, somebody I follow on what? Tumblr posted these links to quizzes that tell you uh, which supervillain and which superhero you should date. Mm. And I got uh, <laughs> I got Loki and Captain America. <laughs> so according to the internet, my dream uh, man is obviously Loki as Captain America well, from the Dark World. Yeah, there was that great scene. <laughs> So what do you most want to see in the second season of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? I'm going to pretend like the show has characters other than Fitz and Simmons right now. <laughs> Even though I was excited to see the show every week, I, um, it was mostly because of Fitzsimmons. And so I want to mm -hmm. be excited to see the show every week just for the show. Yeah. Well, and I think there's a chance that that'll happen because yeah. they have this new focus. I mean, having... I was going insane. I was, ta I mean, I was talking with my friend about this about how I was so mad that now we finally get these like few good episodes. And now we have to wait like four yeah. months. <laughs> <laughs> but they have the setup with Coulson being the new head of Shield. Mm -hmm. But there still really isn't a Shield. He has to kind of bring it all yeah, back he together. Has to so he's got to mm -hmm. he's got to build it up. Deathlock is get some more kids. still out there. Teach him how to slice the pie. Sky is still a mystery. Uh, Ward, I don't know. He'll pry the nails out. <laughs> Obviously, that already happened, but I just had this image of, of him with a hammer prying nails out of his foot. Yep, like me. 
you know, what what could they do? They could have him escape. They could have him see the error of his ways. I, you know, I wonder if they're just because it seems to me that it would surprise me if he was just in the cell and that was the end of his story. Something more no, is going to happen. I think they'll talk to him more, but I don't know if he'll. Can even he... if he does see the error of his ways, like nobody's going to like forgive him and be like, "Oh yeah, we love you. Come back on the bus." Like no. Yeah. I wonder. I yeah. was so what about mad. Fitz? I wanted Sky to let him die oh, so bad. Fitz. But, oh, yeah, and Fitz. That, I am so scared that Fitz is in Tahiti. They, I think they dropped the ball not having one shot of Fitz No, yeah, they should have had a end. shot of Fitz. Even and if I he mean, was like, in obviously, a coma. Obviously he, and, obviously he and Gemma spoke. Like, she was like, he's alive. So, I mean, they must have, or at least she must have seen yeah, him. Yeah, and so that was a scene that I would have liked to have seen. I mean, it's got to be there. It's got to be, like, in the first episode. It's going to be them. Yeah, like, so they've got that to fix right away. And I hope they don't, yeah, I hope, I... Yeah, I hope he's not in Tahiti. I feel like he might be in Tahiti. That would be, that would just be going down the same road over again. It's like we've already got the Coulson thing with the Tahiti and figuring out what happened and how he was brought back to life. Yeah, and but then he was... when Sky was horribly injured, they used a little bit of the blue alien whatever to make sure that she survived. They can't just be shooting up people with the blue goo. All the time to bring him back what to life. What was that? Alien blood or something. Yeah, but like what alien? Well, see, that's the other thing that's been left kind of up in like the, the air. Because like the Chitari were blue. The but like, exact I... nature of all of that. It could but have they, been like some sort of mutant. weird like Wolverine carcass that happened and then he like grew back. <laughs> you never, it's, that's like a legitimate headcanon right there. Because <laughs> he never dies. Like in Days of Future Past, there's this scene where he get, gets like at least eight bullets in him. And of course, he just stands there like, mm, that um, hurts. But as he's healing, yeah. the bullets get pushed out of him, and it freaks me out. Because <laughs> you can just see them, and they kind of like drop, and you can hear them hit the ground. It just like, and there was like one in his head, and like all sort in his chest. Just, mm-hmm. oh. But of course, within the universe of Agents of Shield, none of that just happened. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's all the time we have for this episode. Tune in next month for episode twenty-two: War of the War of the Worlds. We'll compare and contrast three adaptations of the classic H.G. Wells novel, the 1938 radio show, the 1953 movie version, and the 2005 movie remake. Remember that Generations Geek is a part of the Chronic Rift Network, which broadcasts from within Olympus Mons on Mars. Please give their other fine podcasts to listen at chronicrift.com. Thanks for listening, and come, come back, back next time. No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ooh, shiny. <laughs>